0: Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My very special guest with me today is my friend Jan. Hello, to me again. <laughs> and today we are discussing chapter eight of Persuasion by Jane Austen. In chapter eight, Captain Wentworth and Anne continue to be thrown together in social environments at the Musgroves in Uppercross. The Musgroves girls show their excitement about the Navy. We hear a little bit more about Dick Musgrove and then there is some dancing and Anne plays while she
1: tries not to cry. It's a very sad, quite pathos chapter this one, I think. You know, she could no longer avoid him. She'd been avoiding Captain Wentworth so far, but she couldn't anymore.
0: The little boy state could no longer supply
1: his aunt with a pretense for absenting herself. No, And as she goes on to say, is that... He can't not remember things, so it was if it was up in her mind, she couldn't help but think that he was thinking of it, but a lot less favourably. And, in fact, as you go through, you get the feeling that he is still angry with some of his comments.
0: When they're talking about the past and it's saying, that happened in the Essex, that happened before mm. I went to see in the Essex, and the way that's italicised, I'm like, is that him taunting her?
1: mm Although his voice did not falter and she had no reason to suppose his eye wandering towards her, she felt the utter impossibility from her knowledge of his mind that he could not be uninvisited by remembrance. There must be the same immediate association of thoughts, so she was very far from conceiving it to be of equal pain. They had no conversation together but what the commonest civility required.
0: And it's such a change to what they used to have. She compares them to the Crofts as who would have been possibly the only other really happy couple there. Mm. And I thought the Musgroves were a happy couple.
1: I think it's more that the Crofts seem so well-matched and actually equally contributing to the relationship, whereas the Musgroves are sort of typical landed gentry, but you don't necessarily feel that they have anything much in common beyond their children. They're not maybe equals. They're more in their assigned gender roles potentially. Yes. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that sad paragraph ends with it was a perpetual estrangement. estrangement yes.
1: Worse than strangers because they could never become acquainted.
0: The Miss Musgroves are all excited about the navy and they ask lots and lots of questions. But the ignorance—what really struck me was their brother was in the navy.
1: I know. And they know nothing. I know. Not just them. It was a very general ignorance of all matters throughout the party. So the parents as well, you know, Mrs and Mr and Mrs. Musgrove, the haters, the whole lot of them knew very little and yet one of their own had been in the Navy. You'd think they'd know more about they think they would have cared to find out about it before sending their son to sea. Well you'd rather get the feeling (laughs) they just were desperate to get rid of their son. There's some wonderful actually there's some really beautiful amusing phrases in this. I couldn't help but smile. So that's one of the things I really like about Jane Austen. She doesn't wallow in the sentimentality. Every now and then there's some sharpness comes through in the humour. And see a bit later in the chapter, there's a couple of phrases which just... Quite sharp. Quite sharp. So they go through Captain
0: Wentworth's various ships. And his first one would have been broken up. And Anne's shudderings were to herself alone. She's this awful thought that
1: he could have died on that ship. Yeah. Actually, one of the things that just suddenly struck myself, and I think in, in the editor mode here, as you read through the paragraphs, they talk about daily regulations, food, hours, and etc. And they've actually used the ampersand and a c, etc. As yes, which but we would never use that no. in writing now. She probably used it as an abbreviation when she was writing. Did she expect that to be carried out when it was edited? But that's just a slight digression. Because I think they do that at the end of letters as well. They go,
0: yours, etc. But they do, and C. Yeah. So when I first read that, I thought it meant yours and compliments. Oh. But I think it is, yeah. I think yeah. it's a shorthand for it. etc. But I don't know. I think it's one of those funny things where... They want to put everything that was in the original, including her spellings, into ah, the text. That might
1: explain, yes.
0: Which I know we've talked about before, but it bugs mm. me. We know the correct spellings of things. Can we use the correct spellings of things? It doesn't really add anything,
1: to me at least. Well the only thing it adds is that she uses a better speller as I sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, for example, they use the term surprise with a Z. We've had this debate about it before, this there's this modern assumption that Z was is an Americanism but it's it not. It was English first and then yeah. he went to
0: the Americas and then England changed. It's something like that,
1: yeah.
0: Captain Wentworth talks about Captain Harville, who we meet later, um, and how they made lots of money on a lovely cruise off the Western Islands. Poor Harville. You know how much he wanted money. Worse than myself. He wanted it because he had a wife, but did Captain Wentworth want that money so badly so he could show up and...
1: Anne or Anne's relatives. Mm,
0: Good point. Then we start talking about Dick Musgrove again.
1: And that's actually, just going back to your earlier point, Miss Musgrove's just fetching their Navy list, their own Navy list, the first that had ever been in Uppercross. Now, you would think that if their own brother had been in Uppercross, granted they were a lot younger, but their parents surely would have had a Navy list.
0: But apparently not. No. They
1: just didn't care about Dick. (laughs) (laughs) It was obviously a a bad egg or something. They were glad to see the back of him. (laughs) So Mrs. Musgrove is
0: thanking Captain Wentworth for being such a good friend. And Captain Wentworth has this momentary expression, a certain glance of his bright eye, the curl of his handsome mouth, which convinced Anne that he had probably been at some pains to get rid of him. In another moment, he was perfectly collected and serious. But there's this humanity that shines through there. There's a fault, and that's something that she comments on later that she can't see from Mr. Elliot. But you can see it here that
1: Captain Wentworth is human. Even though he may not have had much respect for Dick, he has enough chivalry and kindness in him to spend time with Mrs. Musgrove. He showed the kindest consideration for all
0: that was real and unobserved in the parents' feelings. But then... This is one of the really cutting things. Someone, and I don't know whose thought this is, refers to Mrs. Musgrove's large, fat (laughs) signs. Is that the author? Is that Captain Wentworth? Is that Anne? (laughs) And then following on from that, there's a bit that's most definitely the author. A large, bulky figure has as good a right to be in deep affliction as the most graceful set of limbs in the world. (laughs) But fear or not fear, there are unbecoming conjunctions which reason will patronise in vain, which ridicule will seize. It's like, I'm sorry, I did just make a joke about fat people, but I did. It's harsh. It's not very nice. And that's, was that the bit you were referring to earlier?
1: Yeah, but also the bit about the expression of Captain Wentworth's eye. You could see him desperately trying to not be... And where Jane is the one that understood that actually he was trying not to laugh or or smile, self-amusement. But yes, this one here, large fat sighings, because we often talk about large fat sighs, as in fat in the sound, as fat and full. So it's not a... No, it's, it's a oh, you know, is, is, or is it, you know, was it a, you know, woe is me, was it sort of over-the-top sighings? I hadn't thought of it like that because the rest of it is so around her size.
0: She was no insignificant barrier. She was of a comfortable, substantial size. Yes. Infinitely more fitted by nature to express good cheer and good humour. So I just
1: assumed that what they meant was her being fat, but they could mean that it's big sighing. But I think it's like, it's it's all of a muchness with it. Everything's like over the top. She is just that big person. So we go on from that to
0: Captain Wentworth saying that he doesn't like women on his boat. <laughs> yes. Excepting
1: for a ball. Does that mean that they held balls on boats? Yes. On the deck, usually, on the deck. I think. They would definitely, when they were in dock, they would have lots of visitors and things, and ladies would come on board. I just get the feeling that he's talking beyond the immediate crowd that he is talking to Anne. Ladies don't belong on ships. And his sister
0: abuses him for talking as if women were all fine ladies instead of rational creatures. We none of us expect to be in smooth water all our days. And that I think is one of the most well-known phrases from this book.
1: Jane Austen's used that term, Rational Three Creatures, throughout mm. a number of her novels. And of course it was very much a movement at that time and where they were resisting this being put into a... which I've now, since time, I've become to see it as a, more of an evangelical approach as the church was becoming sort of strongly Methodist and things like that, moving away from the Georgians to the more of the Victorian style of female... Yeah, it is definitely a theme that she, she uses throughout her, all of her books. Just, it's a lovely phrase. Rational Creatures. Mm. There's a Weeb series, a modern web series based on persuasion. Oh, is there? Called Rational Creatures. Oh, I must have a look at that one. Have you ever read War, uh, Warcraftston? No, I haven't. I have a review on the book as how it was quite, you know, one of the major books of all time, as it were in terms of
0: influence. And the evening ended with dancing, and Anne was extremely glad to be employed and desired nothing in return but to be unobserved. That strikes me as so sad, and though her eyes would sometimes fill with tears. Mm. And Captain Wentworth does ask about her. She knew that he must have spoken of her. She was hardly aware Mm. of it till she heard the answer. And then she was sure of his having asked his partner whether Miss Elliot never danced. And then they have the awkward moment at the piano when he's trying to pick out a tune and she comes over and he says, I beg your pardon, madam, this is your
1: seat, and gets up and refuses to sit back down again. Two quite distinct layers to this session, you know. We talks about a merry, joyous party and no one seemed in higher spirits than Captain Wentworth. mm the, the phrase sometimes lies of me, thinks he protests too much, he's determined to enjoy himself. And I think later on that's exactly what he, he talks about. Everyone's enamoured of him, of course. All the young women are absolutely... The Miss Haters were apparently admitted to the honour of being in love with him. Yes, and Henrietta were entire, and Louisa were entirely occupied, but nothing but the continual appearance of the most perfect goodwill could have made it credible that they were not decided rivals.
0: Which I think they find quite hard in the movies. They do try to put a little bit of dissonance between the two sisters because there needs to be something to make it appear like
1: they're fighting for Captain Weymouth. Yes, isn't that interesting? Whereas I can, particularly immature teenagers, sort of, I can remember going through a phase where I won't dance with a boy if you don't dance with a boy. I won't go out with him if you don't have somebody to go out with, you know, because your bonds between your sisters and sometimes your good friends are better than future bonds with somebody you don't necessarily know yet. Mm. And so long as one of you is happy with him or something, you might you might not. I love the, work, the ways, you know, her fingers were mechanically at work, proceeding for half an hour equally without error, but without consciousness. It sounds almost meditative to her. Her thoughts are completely elsewhere. And she thought, perhaps trying to trace in them the ruins of the face which had once charmed him. An awful and, way to think of yourself. Well, once she knew that he must have spoken of her. and said hardly, remember earlier, she, he said he hardly recognised her. So, oh, never, she's quite given up dancing. She'd rather play. Nobody knows. Nobody knows her at all. And that's, and that's I think, what comes through the book. Cause nobody has any idea of what her likes and dislikes are, the people that she lives amongst. Nobody knows she had this grand love. I just think this is actually really quite a painful book, but with the odd moment chapter, odd moment of liberty, cause it's, it, but it's all understated, nothing said.
0: And that is our summary of chapter eight of Persuasion by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!